listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life podcast. I'm Janine Strong, your hostess, and every two weeks I have a fresh conversation with inspiring, interesting, and knowledgeable people. If any of my listeners would like to record an intro for a podcast conversation, I would love it. I think it would be great fun. If you're interested, please email me at realjanine at gmail.com and we'll set it up. My conversation today is with Lion Goodman, and today we are going to have a conversation on being limitless and what holds you back. Lion describes himself as a belief therapist. I help people heal core wounds, mostly from childhood, delete old programming from the human operating system, and clear away limitations, resistance, and blocks from the psyche. When you remove negative and limiting beliefs, what emerges is your power as creator of your own life. You can then easily and naturally create the great and beautiful life you deserve. Wow, that sounds pretty cool. Hi, Lion. Hello, Janine. So glad to be here with you. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm great. Good. I'm glad to hear it. So you've been on the podcast before talking about your Clear Beliefs uh, program. We're going to talk about being limitless. And it still has to do with clearing beliefs, right? Sure. It has to do with clearing whatever's in the way, whatever's limiting you. Okay. Awesome. So where would you like to start? How about describing a little bit about, uh, you know, what I'd love to hear is, is describing a little bit about how you came to this place in your work now. It's been a long and strange road, as most <laughs> things are. <laughs> um, uh, I was I was kind of a weird kid. Uh, I didn't really know how to make friends or be a friend. Uh, I've always felt left out and alone and separated. Mm. And it started my quest for figuring out how to be a person, <laughs> how to be real, how to be uh, friendly, and how to be accepted. Uh, and I very early on I learned about uh, ESP, which I studied, and I learned about past lives, which I studied. I'm talking about when I was 12, 13, 14 years old. Wow. And uh, and that just started a lifelong quest. I wanted to learn everything about how to make myself better, how to fix myself. And so I've taken over 100 workshops and trainings. I've trained with great masters in many different disciplines, linguistics, psychology, spirituality, um, neurology. And over all that time, what I noticed eventually was that all the big changes that occurred were changes that happened because I changed my beliefs or a belief. Mm-hmm. It shifted my perspective. It shifted how I saw the world. It shifted how I saw myself. Uh, so uh, the example I love to use is when I realized in psychotherapy, oh, it's not my mother's fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was, mm-hmm. was, and But that really shifted things like, wow, I could actually take responsibility for what's happening instead of blaming my parents. So that's what got me interested in beliefs. And then I began studying beliefs themselves. Where do they come from? How do they function? What are they doing inside of us? And how can we change them? And so that's been my my focus and my quest, because I realized that beliefs underlie everything, all of our limitations, all of our problems, all of our uh, all the things we want but can't have. So it's beliefs at the core, beliefs, beliefs, beliefs. Awesome. Well, I would agree with you. So being limitless, what what does that mean to you? Well, let's start with what it means to be limited. Okay, Uh, sure. Because most of us feel that first. 
so uh, people refer to limiting beliefs and it's generally true because beliefs limit us. They limit the universe. Um, there's no good men out there. Well, that limits the world. Uh, it brings, it brings in the not good men and it keeps mm -hmm. out the good men. True. Uh, True. I can't play the piano. Well, that limits your ability to learn and, and practice and learn how to play the piano. So everything we say about ourselves and everything we say about others and everything we say about the world are limitations because they divide the world into this and that. Mm -hmm. That is a cat. That means it's not a dog. OK, Got it. Uh, uh, the uh, the Republicans are, are uh, uh, terrible people. Well, that means <laughs> there's no good Republicans. Mm -hmm. Right. So right. so it limits our vision. It limits the world. It limits us. And so when we clear the beliefs at the core of the psyche, it unlimits us. It takes away that former limitation that we were living through because our beliefs operate like filters or colored lenses in front of our eyes. We see some things and we don't see others. And when you clear the, the colored lens away, when you clear the filter or the belief, suddenly you see the whole world. You see the wholeness of the world instead of just half the world. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And and it's my uh, understanding that what you focus on is is what you tend to find, right? Um, if if you feel that people are against you, that's kind of what you're going to draw towards you, and that's what you're going to see out there. Yes, in psychology, it's called confirmation bias. Uh, at the level of beliefs, it's that the beliefs filter; uh, they prevent us from seeing what disagrees with the belief. And it, it reinforces the belief because we see confirmation for our beliefs everywhere we look. So if you believe that uh, homeless people are dangerous, every time you see a homeless person, you feel danger because that's what you're seeing. And that's the belief is the connector. You can't actually make friends with a homeless person because they might be dangerous. So, uh, so yes, that's true. Our beliefs are always self-verified, which makes them tricky to, to clear because we see the world through them and we think that that's the way the world is. Mm -hmm. So how do we pick up these beliefs? How do, how do they become a part of us? We certainly don't come in with them. Well, maybe through past lives or something we may, but. Yes. Yes. So our first beliefs are indoctrinated into us. A baby comes out of the womb and the mother picks up the baby and says, look at little Janine. She is so beautiful. She's going to grow up to be a teacher and we're on record mode for the first three or four years of life. So that information just comes in. It may not be understandable by the baby because they don't have words yet, but the baby's essentially saying, my name is Janine. I am so beautiful. I'm going to grow up to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of reasons why we do this. The first is survival. If we align with our parents' beliefs, they're less likely to throw us down the toilet or out to the wolves. <laughs> So it, it makes it makes a lot of sense to pick up whatever your parents say and believe it, take it in as the truth, because we become more like them the more we have their beliefs. And this is the way to join a group is you you, you take on the group's beliefs and then you're a member of the group. Um, you may have heard of Stockholm syndrome, which mm -hmm. is when someone uh, changes their beliefs to be in alignment with the person who's cap captured them or threatening their life. It turns out that all children are subject to Stockholm syndrome because as babies, we're defenseless. We're being threatened every moment of our lives. 
And so we want to pick up the beliefs of our captors, who happen to be our parents, and then siblings, and then eventually our friends and teachers and religious leaders and authorities and uh, and the media, uh, mm-hmm. because we want to survive. And so we pick them up. The other the other way that we get beliefs is we come to our own conclusions. And if a baby's consistently missing something, has a deficit in its environment, for example, the parents are so busy they don't really have time to take care of the baby perfectly. Mm-hmm. So the baby's feeling the deficit. They're feeling anxious because they don't know if they're going to get cared for or not. And a baby cannot think, well, my parents are really screwed up. They should have taken parenting 101 in college and they really need a course on child rearing because they're, they're really messed up themselves. Baby can't, can't think that way, can't see their parents. The parents are perfect. They're God and goddess that brought you into the world. And so babies and children tend to blame themselves for any deficit. Uh, I'm, I'm being beaten, therefore I must be bad. I'm being neglected, therefore there must be something wrong with me. So that's another place that we get these early core beliefs is by coming to conclusions. Now, babies come to beliefs even before they have words. They're not verbal beliefs. They're experiential beliefs. And so we have to account for those as well. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. I learned quite a bit there. I thought I knew a lot about beliefs, but you actually gave me a lot of great new information. Thank you. You're welcome. So what do we do with the ones that don't serve us, the ones that aren't useful, the ones that cause us to self-sabotage? Well, we we could start with um, what's bugging you. (laughs) Where's the pain? Where's the suffering? Mm -hmm. Because that's the surface manifestation of what the belief is creating. So uh, let's pick something like I don't have enough money. Financial issue. Mm -hmm. Well, there's something underneath that. And so you could simply ask the question, well, what's the belief underneath that? A person could say, well, it's true. I don't have enough money. Right. There's the belief Mm -hmm. verifying itself. Uh, they're seeing through that belief and they they don't their reality agrees with it. Right. They say, well, what do you believe about money? Well, I believe money is really hard to get. OK, well, there's a deeper belief. Money's hard to get. Therefore, I don't have any I don't have enough money. What's underneath that belief? Uh, there's something wrong with people who have money. Ah, OK. So that makes sense. If if your parents thought that rich people were evil uh, you wouldn't want to be rich because you want to align with your parents' beliefs. Um, what's underneath that belief? Uh, money's dirty. Oh, interesting. So if money is dirty, you wouldn't want to handle it. You certainly wouldn't want it to come into your life. Okay, now where did that belief come from? Well, my mother told me not to not to pick up pennies off the street. Ah, okay. So now we've gotten to the source of the belief very deep inside that's causing all those other beliefs to accumulate and cluster together and result in your reality that you don't have enough money. So this is how we find core beliefs. We just keep looking deeper and deeper and deeper, further and further back until we find where the belief came in and then we can clear it at that level. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty amazing. I I assume you've worked with probably hundreds of clients, and someone came up with picking up a penny and it was dirty and they weren't supposed to pick it up. I mean, that is pretty amazing that something is just, you know, I mean, so innocent, right? That that can have such a lasting negative effect on someone. 
Right. Remember, again, the principles that we want to uh, belong to our family. We want to be cared for by our parents. And so we take their beliefs very seriously. And children see tend to see the world in black and white. It's good or bad. It's right or wrong. And, this, of course, our parents reinforce this. Don't touch that. It's dirty. Or you're a good boy when you do this. Or uh, that's that's a terrible thing to do. Don't ever do that again. So these are very powerful beliefs that come in and get stuck in us. And we tend to see it as a universal rather than as a momentary experience, because at that age, it is a universal. It is absolutely right or wrong, good or bad, true or false. Mm -hmm. So I think what I hear you saying is that the the child or the baby extrapolates that that incident into the larger part of their lives. Yes, um, I would use a different word than extrapolate. Okay. I it becomes the foundation of other beliefs that get set on top of it. Mm. Uh, it's not really a mental process. It's happening deep in the psyche that uh, that's trying to accumulate. How can I survive and thrive? And of course, your parents want you to survive and thrive. So they give you all of their beliefs. They, they, because it worked for them. Mm. Or we, not, but <laughs> they yeah, right. But <laughs> then they punish us for having our different beliefs. Um, and that's another way we get beliefs is by realizing some beliefs, you know, get us punished or hurt. So we better not believe that. True. So, so these, this is a very deep process. It's, it's the underlying process underneath psychology, personality, uh, and how we manifest in the world, what our abilities are. We come to these conclusions and they become universalized within us and we never question them. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Wow. That. Uh, sounds like really the core of, I mean, it, it sounds like the core of all work that, or personal growth work that is needed to really, really affect a, a lasting change. I think so. <laughs> That's why I do this work, uh, because I've tried so many other techniques, including psychotherapy, and psychotherapy is, is wonderful. It has a great place in the world. However, in psychotherapy, pe people are usually focused on their stories mm -hmm. about what happened. Mm -hmm. And they tell stories. And you can tell stories over and over again and never get to the underlying belief. Now, sometimes when you're telling a story, you do get to the underlying belief, like it's not my mother's fault. Okay, that was a pretty big realization, uh, except that it, it doesn't happen often enough. That's why I decided to study beliefs themselves. Like if we could go through the layer and not deal with the stories, but really with, directly with the beliefs, that would be much more impactful. And it turns out it's true. Mm -hmm. So when working with beliefs, you have much better chance of making big change in your life. Because when you change a belief, you see things differently. You see the world differently. You see yourself differently. You see other people differently. Mm -hmm. So that's the power of this work. Wow. And it sounds very powerful. I know um, when I'm working with people, in fact, I, I was did a session with someone the other day and we were we were chatting and I said, you know, the only reason really that I listen to a person's story is so that they can they can verbalize it, they can be heard, they have someone to listen. But I don't need the story at all because that's in the past. And when I'm working with someone, I'm working with where they're at right now and with them and who they are. I like the story because they're interesting, but I don't need it at all to work with somebody. Yes, the story uh, story level uh, is a combination of the verbal brain and also the meaning-making brain. And me the beliefs happen at this meaning-making le level. Mm -hmm. 
okay. because we're making meanings out of an experience. Oh, this means that I'm a bad boy, or this means that I shouldn't do that. And we connect it with our experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in early childhood, we don't have a verbal brain isn't fully functioning yet. So, so it's happening pre-verbally. And this is one of the reasons why so many belief techniques don't work very well or don't work completely because the earliest beliefs aren't verbal and we can't get to them verbally. We can sort of try to say what they are like, well, I believe I'm bad. Well, that may be true. You might have said that to yourself at a later age, but the underlying experience of feeling bad or being made wrong for being who you are is pre-verbal. And we've got to get to the pre-verbal experience in the brain in order to clear it at that level. Mm. So how do you do that? Well, we use, uh, in, in the clear beliefs process, we talk directly to the subconscious mind. All of the techniques mm. we use are a way of communicating directly with the subconscious. And it turns out the subconscious is happy to communicate. It just doesn't communicate in words. It's not a verbal process. And so once you're communicating directly with the subconscious, you have to understand its language and speak to it in its language, which includes sensations, feelings, memories that are sort of three-dimensional, multidimensional experiences, uh, images, and metaphors. So we have to get to that level. And we use guided imagery to go down into the subconscious mind and communicate with it. And the, and the subconscious is quite playful. That's why we have such creative dreams. And so it's sort of like inviting the subconscious out to play. Like, do you when you were a kid and you, somebody knocked on your door and said, can you come out and play? Say, yeah, that's fantastic. Right. So the subconscious really wants to work with us. And we provide it with a metaphor that allows it to communicate with us through imagery, through sensations, through through uh, metaphor. So it's very cool stuff. Wow, that sounds like it. So how did you, I mean, because I've done a lot of belief work with people in my lives, but not working with the subconscious level. How did you come to figure this part out? How did I come to figure this part out? (laughs) 40 years of study and practice of figuring out what worked and what didn't work. I think that's probably the real answer. Uh, I tried lots of different belief techniques. And I found most of them worked some of the time, partially, temporarily, but the belief kept coming back. And it took a long time for me to find something that really worked. And and actually, I was asking spirit for a technique that really worked, was permanent, and didn't require a lot of serious, you know, long-standing therapy. Mm-hmm. And, and this this idea just kind of downloaded into me. And I went, well, that's kind of interesting. And uh, when I tried it, it worked fantastically. And then I began working with clients, and it worked fantastically. And eventually, I, I began teaching it. And it works for other people fantastically. So it sort of came from spirit rather than from me figuring something out. Cool. Well, I find my best ideas are either downloaded in the shower or while I'm driving <laughs> or as I'm falling asleep. It, yeah. They just come to me. Right. And that's the subconscious and your spirit speaking to you and helping you with your problems. It wants to help you. you know? mm-hmm. it really, it's really trying to get you messages. Your dream image, imagery is often messages from the subconscious saying, hey, pay attention to this. There's something out of alignment here. There's something causing suffering. Pay attention. But if we don't pay attention, then it just keeps happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how how would someone, is, is there something that, uh, that a person can do 
um, let's see how to phrase this, you know, so that like if they if they don't have somebody to work with, or maybe they can't afford to work with someone, are, are there things that that people can do on their own to, you know, it may not be quite as as powerful as working, for example, with you, but something that they could do on their own to begin to unravel some of this? Absolutely. In fact, I, I want to give your listeners uh, my my ebook called Clear Your Beliefs. Oh, cool. And uh, that has an exercise in it called the belief self-diagnosis. And here's how it works. Um, let's say you want to find out what you believe about money and finances. So what you do is you have a piece of paper and a pencil or a keyboard in front of you. And you simply say, what I believe about money is, and then you listen to your mind talking. And you'll hear your mind say, Money is dirty. So you write down money is dirty. And then you ask the question again, something I believe about money is, you say, it's it's really hard to make money. So you write that down. And you keep doing this over and over and over again. And you change the question, what do I believe about finances? What do I believe about rich people? And every time you write something down, it's your subconscious speaking to you. It's your mind speaking to you and telling you what your beliefs are. And this is the process of making our unconscious beliefs conscious. And it's the first step. And uh, Carl Jung said, you know, unless you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. Mm. <laughs> this is really what's happening. Our subconscious beliefs are driving us, giving us an experience of reality that is our own. Right. It's, it may not have anything to do with other people's reality. Um, and, and it's driving us uh, and our experiences. And so by reaching down and bringing up the subconscious beliefs and making them conscious, that's the first step. And it's a great first step that things will start dismantling right away. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So uh, how will people get your clear beliefs ebook? Uh, well, let's see, I think I could send you a link that you could put on your website. Enjoy yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We'll do that. And, and what about can you um, do you know what it is it, just verbally so you can tell people if they just want to write it down right now? Uh, give me a, a minute or two and I'll I'll come up with it. Okay, you. great. Let's keep talking while I search for it. <laughs> Absolutely, sure. So do you have, I'm sure you do, but do you have some, I, I want to really, uh, how to say this, I want the listeners to really get how important this is. Um, do you have some, stories that you could share of how people's lives have really changed by shifting their beliefs and, and clearing limiting beliefs? Well, I've got lots of them. Uh, so a few me, goodies will do. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me start with, uh, with one person I worked with who was incredibly traumatized. Her life was basically frozen because of the trauma she suffered as a child. Uh, she was um, she was, first of all, given up for adoption um, mm -hmm. by her parents, and she was put into a, an orphanage run by Catholic uh, nuns. And the nuns had a policy of don't pick up the children or touch them because they'll get too attached to you. Oh, my God. So her first years of life included abandonment and neglect as the core of her experience. And then wow. she got wow. adopted by an American family. She was born in Europe. And she was brought to America, and this family was not was not nice people. They actually abused her, uh, treated her like uh, a slave, and uh, did some unspeakable things to her. I'll just put it that way. What is wrong with people? I'm actually this is making me a little emotional. I can feel it in my chest. Yeah. God, 
Well, um, we could say those people have certain beliefs that they've never resolved or dealt with. Certain they've been traumatized by uh, by their parents, and they're passing mm -hmm. on the trauma to their children. And that's this is typical of people who abuse children is they have been abused. Right, often the case. Mm -hmm. So um, I began working with this woman, and we just slowly unwound beliefs that were at the core of her, which is I'm worthless. I'm, I'm unworthy of love. Uh, nothing ever goes right for me. It's always painful. Uh, I am a piece of dirt. Uh, I'm, you know, only used for, for, uh, other people's pleasure. I mean, it, it was deep, it was deep stuff. And over a period of a couple of years, we unwound it to the point where she's now a bright, open, a woman who's very effective in the world. She's able to tell her story to other people and help other people. She became a coach and she's coaching others. So it took a long time because deep trauma does. Mm -hmm. But over a period of time, she transformed completely. Wow. I just got tingles all over my body. That's so awesome. Wow. That's really awesome. Uh, let me give you the website for the yeah. the. Clear Your Beliefs ebook. It's clearyourbeliefs.com slash ebook. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, I should have remembered it, but uh, sometimes I get confused. <laughs> that's great. Well, no, I, some of them are so uh, complex and, you know, there's so much to them that, that people, like if somebody's driving, they can probably even remember this. Yes. <laughs> great. Well, thank you for offering that. I'm going to download it. I can always learn more now that I'm working with people again. I, I hadn't been working with clients for a long time, and I I just started up uh, actually just a few weeks ago. I'm working with a specific guide named Whitefeather, so I'm learning how to sort of redo my whole way of working with people, and it's kind of a compilation of things from the past and new things I'm learning, and it's um, it's kind of fun. <laughs> That's great, and this is an inner guide? Uh, yes, yes. He actually, I, he was with me. Um, I think it was when I was living in, in Northern Michigan in Traverse City, a woman came there who could see your guides and she was an artist and she would do a pastel. And she was the one who told me about him. And then I think he left me for a while because I stopped working with clients. And now he's back and we're working together. I just did a session a couple of days ago that was just awesome. I was so excited. I'm getting my confidence back and I'm, hey. you know, yeah, I'm very excited. <laughs> well, the world is happy that you're, you're back working with clients. I know that, that you you do great Aww. work, beautiful work. Oh, and I, thank you. I studied, I studied shamanism, studied is kind of the wrong word. I, I worked with, uh, with shamans and, uh, over about a 20 year period. Mm-hmm learned the shamanic path and the, sh the shamans were doing the same thing I'm doing. They could sort of go into the other world and they, they figure out what's going on and, and bring back the gift for you uh, to, or the gift for the community that allows things to start moving again, right? Mm -hmm. To clear up the blocks. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to come back to that limitless question, you know, what limits us and how can we become unlimited? There's lots of ways and lots of methods to do that. Um, I find that clearing beliefs is the most efficient, but there's lots of people doing lots of great work out there with many different modalities. It's all based on the same thing, clearing what's in the way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So oh, this is awesome. I'm so glad we're having this discussion. So let's do what is for you. What do you see as being limitless? 
Okay, well, let's let's do a little uh, guided imagery here and, and experience it for a minute. Cool. Um, so uh, everyone who's listening, uh, close your eyes for a moment and feel the limits of your body. How far out does your body extend? And it may you may actually notice your body extending past your skin, but at some point it ends. How big is your body experience? Good. Now feel your emotions and feel how far out do your emotions extend? What is the what are the emotions that you are allowed to have and express? And what are the emotions you're not allowed to have or express? Now let's examine your thoughts. What how limited are your thoughts or where are your thoughts limited? Where have you put boundaries on what you can think or what's allowable? Are you able to question facts and other people's beliefs and your own beliefs? Are you able to question authority? What do you accept whole hog from other people without question? And where have other people told you, don't go there, don't think that thought? Don't question that. Mm. And now feel your connection to spirit, however you experience it. If you believe you don't have a connection to spirit, notice that as a limitation. If you feel your connection full on and easy to connect to, that's a beautiful thing. Is that limited in some way? Now see all of those limitations, physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual, and just notice that you have them and accept them for what they are, their limitations. And maybe you set them up, maybe somebody else told you to set them up or did it for you. The first step is acceptance. First is awareness, second is acceptance. And now let them go. Let them dissolve. You were holding on to them so you can let them go. Let your physical boundaries dissolve and feel what it feels like to be the whole room. Let your emotional boundaries dissolve and feel what it feels like to be able to feel anything that's true in the moment with no limitations whatsoever. And feel what it would feel like to be able to express yourself fully and completely holding nothing back. And now feel what it would feel like to have no limitations on your thoughts or your questions or your curiosity or your abilities. 
and feel what it would feel like to be completely connected to source, to your spirituality, your guides, gods or goddesses that you're in touch with without limitation. They're right here with you all the time. And notice that resistance may come up. You may have thoughts that say, oh, you can't do that. Don't go there. That's not true. And just notice those as limitations and let them go. And this is what it means to be limitless. And very, very gently bring yourself back to your sense of, of being in a body, being you, having what you have, doing what you do, feeling what you feel, and let it all be okay, limitations and unlimitations. Appreciate the limitations as simply temporary boundaries that are useful right now and that you can change them anytime. Mm. Welcome back. Nice. I'll share with the listeners my just quickly my experience, just in case anyone is wondering if they were doing it right or, you know, concerned that they weren't doing it correctly. Because when we were going through uh, the emotions and the physical and and experiencing our 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 boundaries, I wasn't sure if I was really like doing that. Um, but when you said to let it go, <laughs> it was so cool. It was like butterflies just flying off of me, uh -huh. and I felt really expansive. And really different. That was cool. So, but up until then, I was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm really sensing this, you know. <laughs> but then, yeah, when you said to let it go, it was, yeah, it was like it was like birds or butterflies just flying off. It was so cool. I was like, wow. And then I, I just felt huge. Yeah, yeah, it feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to come back. <laughs> I've often said. Why is it so hard to be in a human body? Because I have this knowing that, you know, there are other ways of being and that, you know, I, I made an agreement to incarnate and come down here and be of service. But I, it, being in a human body is just, it's so limiting. I know there are, you know, the, the way that, that one can be when one's not on the planet is very free and very limitless. And it's a lot harder to be that way here in a human body. I agree. Sometimes I think that there was small print that, that I, I couldn't read. Uh, you know, when I came into the body, here's your contract for incarnation. It's like, okay, oh, goody, I get to incarnate, but I forgot to read the small print that says you will be suffering and you will have limitations and you will have to work really hard to get rid of them. Okay. okay, yeah. That's so funny. Stephen often says when he goes back, he's going to uh, talk to the uh, travel agent and give them a piece of her wine, his mind. Yeah. Yeah. That small print was the travel agent says, well, it was there. You just didn't read it. That's not our problem. Right. Who reads a small print? I mean, really, <laughs> who has time for that? Wow. Cool. So I was thinking, because um, you've talked about finances and you gave us uh, a wonderful example of uh, how this work can transform somebody. How about an example from your experience of 
um, someone who just can't seem to connect with people, can't have a, a really, a really fulfilling and satisfying relationship? Well, relationships are the biggest test of our limitations, of course. No kidding. Yeah. And uh, when you're in a relationship, even if you have one, uh, your partner is probably the person who bugs you the most, annoys you the most, <laughs> stimulates your wounds the most. And uh, there, there's got to be a good reason for it. I haven't quite figured it out yet. But... Or it might be your partner's kids. Yes, that's true. Yes. <laughs> or your partner's work or your partner's financial situation or your partner's uh, spiritual life. Yeah. So <laughs> apparently we do have lessons to learn and a lot of them have to do with relationships. Well, the reason is, is that we are relational beings. You know, if you look historically, anthropologically, uh, we evolved from beings who were in troops and groups in the trees. And what would happen if you got pushed out of the troop? Mm. Mm-hmm. You would die. Not good. Yep. <laughs> so, so being alone, uh, being pushed out, being rejected, abandoned, or ostracized equals death to the primitive brain. Okay. Now, in our culture, in the American culture, uh, we celebrate independence and individuality, and the glory of that is that people can do whatever they want to do. The detriment of that is that people are very lonely mm-hmm. very. because we're not living in relationship with others, with groups. We, we evolved to be living in groups, communities, and we've all lost that sense of community, except for those who have really worked to find it. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, you know, what's at the core of that? Well, it goes back to your childhood. You know, how were you related to as a child? Uh, when I looked back in my own life, I saw that my mother was trying to be a good mother, but she had never trained in motherhood. Has she anybody? Had... <laughs> no, they should have been. So you can, you can drive a car. To drive a car, you need a license, you need lessons, and you need practice and somebody to approve it. But anybody can have a baby with no <laughs> well, skills. Let me, let me tell you my theory on this is that we have it all backwards and that in order to get pregnant, you should have to take a pill and that you don't do that until you've had some training and you're ready. I think that's great. <laughs> I know I do too, but I, I don't know why it, do, <clears throat> why it doesn't happen. But We just have to figure out who to talk to to get it to change. Right. Uh, so... So the relationship you had with your mother and your father and then later your siblings and your pets is informative to the primitive psyche of who am I and how do I relate to other people? If you're treated like a piece of dirt by other people from the very beginning of your life, you believe that you're a piece of dirt and you should only be treated that way. That just comes with the territory. Like, that's who I am. That's how I should be treated. Mm-hmm. My own mother was was too busy uh, trying to be a mother to really care for me or connect with me. And attunement is one of the child's needs. The, mo- the mother who looks into the child's eyes and says, I see you. I've got you. I'm going to keep you safe. And I know it's uncomfortable being a little baby, but you will learn how to use your body and you'll be able to feed yourself. And we're older, but but you will become our age at one point and you'll be able to do all the things we do. In the meantime, I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to love you. I welcome you. I'm so happy you're here, and I will do my best to care for you. 
Now, wouldn't it be nice to hear that from your mother or from anyone for that matter? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if we didn't get that, there's where the deficit came in. My mother treated me as like an object in her universe. So I felt like an object. I felt disconnected. I didn't have a connection, deep connection to anyone, to my parents, my siblings, the pets, the dogs in our house. I was alone. And that's how I spent my childhood. So um, so this inability to relate to others often comes from that first relationship we have where our mother or our father or our caregiver weren't, didn't connect with us in a deep and intimate way so that it was safe to be who we were. Mm-hmm. Now, now you're an adult and you, see, you have that same pattern uh, in psychology. It's called your attachment style. And the same behavior pattern that you had as that you developed as a child. So if what I was describing is called secure attachment. And so if you have secure attachment, you can relate to other people. You can be intimate. You can open yourself. You can feel secure. You feel safe with them. And that's the best kind of relationship to have. But if you didn't get that, you had one of the insecure attachment styles. You either became anxious because you weren't getting what you needed or you withdrew and and, and became an avoidant style. Or if you were traumatized, there's, there's another one called traumatized attachment. So, um, so we carry these into our adult relationships. So if I'm avoidant, naturally, uh, if something stresses me out, or a person bothers me, I'm just going to leave, I'm just going to get out of here, because I need my own space, because I can't sit in the anxiety of the relationship. Or if I'm an anxious type, I'll keep checking in and escalate to say, hey, do you love me? Do you love me right now? How about right now? If I do this, will you love me? And and or, and why aren't you loving me right now? So that's called the anxious style. Mm-hmm. So these, we, we form these strate- strategies for surviving in relationship, and those strategies and reactions inform us as adults. They inform our lives. And until we go in and change those programs, we're going to be stuck with it. So why is it hard to relate to other people? Because it was hard to relate to your parents. <laughs> That's mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. A good, it's actually your parents' fault. I'm going to change my mind about that. So <laughs> at least they had a hand in it. Uh, but we took on those beliefs and we can take them off. That's the real key. Right. I mean, I often say, I, I really do think the majority of people are doing the best they can with the tools they have. And a lot of people just don't have very good tools. Their toolbox is a little scanty. That's true. And actually, I believe that everyone does their best every day. Even if someone's life is miserable, they're still doing their best. Mm -hmm. Even if they're a mean son of a bitch, they're doing their best to do what they think they need to do to survive and thrive. So I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and says, I think I'll do less than my best today. (laughs) Probably not. Yeah, it's a good point. That's a good point. So, so doing the the work, clearing clearing these subconscious beliefs. Um, do you have a an example of like someone you've worked with who maybe was not able to uh, be in a good relationship, or or when they had a good relationship, they'd sabotage it, and and was able to change that. Uh, lots of examples because I have lots of clients that definitely <laughs> move through that. Um, I will give an example. So uh, one woman I worked with was having a very difficult time. She spent most of her time alone. She just couldn't be in a, she just, the relationships never worked out for her, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, by looking really deeply into her core beliefs, into her core experience as a child, uh, her relationship with her parents didn't work either. 
her mother was was busy working and uh, and her father was you know on the road a lot and she had babysitters who weren't very nice to her and consequently none of her relationships worked mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she took that trauma into her relationships to other kids and they didn't work because she was wanting a relationship so badly she felt needy and they began to withdraw from her or reject her so she finally came to the conclusion I'm just not right for relationships you know relationships aren't for me mm-hmm. and of course that that conclusion that she came to prevented her from having a relationship uh, because she she knew it wasn't going to work out. Why invest in it? Why be, why be vulnerable? I'm only going to get hurt. And so being alone was what worked for her and she wanted to change it. So we went in and, and methodically changed those beliefs from the very core until she went, I am worthy of a relationship. I want a relationship and I can have what I want. And now she has a relationship. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I think it helps to really hear of of people's successes because my sense is that it's probably not unusual for people to think, oh, well, this won't work for me or, um, you know, I'm hopeless or there's another belief. <laughs> yes, yes, those are very powerful beliefs. If you believe this won't work for me, guess what? It won't work for you because our beliefs create a reality. So... Uh, that's one of the first beliefs we have to clear for for some of my clients. They come in with that belief, and that and that's the first one we di- we discreate or disappear mm-hmm. because you can't get any further unless you get rid of that one. Once you get rid of that one, then it can work for you, and then it works. <laughs> well, and two others that I find I have found in my experience that need to be cleared first because otherwise you really can't get anywhere is um, I can't and I don't know. Yes. Yes, that's true. These these are really core negative beliefs. Uh, beliefs come in many flavors. You know, most beliefs are neutral, like that is an automobile. Well, okay, that's mm-hmm. true. It doesn't have any emotional charge. And then there are beliefs that are that are limiting, like I can't play the piano, as we said before. Mm-hmm. That prevents you from practicing or taking lessons. And then there are unlimiting beliefs or positive beliefs, like I can accomplish anything I set my mind to. And that's kind of, that's also an empowering belief. And then there's really negative beliefs or destructive beliefs, like I'm I'm not worthy of love. And then there's enlightening beliefs. I am source. I am a child of God. So that's how I divide them up. We don't need to clear all beliefs. We just need to clear the ones that are in our way, the ones that limit us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So this has been really super. It's been great. I have a sense that before we wrap up, um, that you have something profound you'd just like to leave our listeners with. I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, but that's just kind of the sense I have here. Of course you are uh, putting me on the spot, but I don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, this is my profound final statement. All of your limitations were limitations that you accepted at some level of consciousness. And because you took them on, you can take them off. It's like clothing at a clothing store. You take on an outfit of clothing off the rack. You try it on. You look in the mirror. You say, hey, how does this make me feel? Right? Because beliefs create feelings. And does it make my butt look big? You know, those are the main two questions. And if it does, and then you ask somebody else, hey, how does this look on me? 
Uh, and if it doesn't fit you, you take it off and put it back on the rack or throw it on the ground, <laughs> whatever your policy is. Beliefs are exactly the same. They can be tried on, see how they make you feel, because every belief creates a feeling. And if you don't like it, you can take it off and throw it away, destroy it, get rid of it, put it back on the rack, give it to the used belief store, whatever you want. Uh, and then you can, once you have it off, then you can take on the new belief that you want to have. You can try on new beliefs, like I am the ideal partner and see what that feels like. And if you like it, keep it. It's, it's your belief closet. Uh, one of the major techniques that I teach is called the belief closet process because we use this as a metaphor for, to communicate with the subconscious mind. And we actually try on beliefs, see what they look like and feel like. And so you have the power to manage your beliefs and you have the power to let the ones go that don't serve you anymore. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Wise words. So if someone wanted to work with you or learn this, uh, how would they how would they go about that? Clearyourbeliefs.com. And I also have liongoodman.com, which gives a, a wider view of all the things I do, and my coaching and my trainings. I train coaches in these techniques. Uh, that's, that's called the Clear Beliefs Coach Training. So liongoodman.com is a good place to start. Clear your beliefs if you want to clear your beliefs. Awesome. And links will be on the podcast website too. Thank you so much, Lion. I really appreciate your your expertise and your your sharing your your wisdom and your your knowledge with us. Um, it's been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Janine. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, and uh, I love sharing what I know. So call on me again. I will. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you for listening, and thank you so much, Lion Goodman, for taking time to share your expertise and your valuable, very valuable tips with us. The podcast website is realjanine.com, where you can listen and download episodes. You can sign up for the podcast bi-weekly blog newsletter to keep up on new episodes, archives, life updates, and healthy recipes, and I will never spam you. <laughs> and remember, Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. To subscribe to Keeping It Real with Janine, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. And I also now have a Keeping It Real with Janine YouTube channel, and I'm creating video slideshows of my conversations. So I would love it if the listeners, you lovely people out there, would go to YouTube and subscribe. It really helps me out. Do you know someone who would benefit from my conversation with Lion Goodman? I'll bet you know several people probably a lot. So please, please share the love. It will be greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening. Take care and be well.